Okay. And we're live. Welcome to another episode of Elevate Your Grind brought to you by the Cannabis Lab. Um, we're going through the membership of Cannabis Lab here. We've got a lot of time on our hands, but the good thing is there's a lot of great people that are involved with our group. Uh, you know, unfortunately, we're still dealing with the COVID-19 issue. It looks like we're going to be doing this for a while, but a good thing is we get to catch up with a lot of our friends, bring you all some really good content that we'll hopefully enjoy. Um, my guest today is someone who's been very involved with Cannabis Lab. Uh, our, our founder, Robert, touts him as a very big success story of Cannabis Lab. You'll see him at almost any event. Uh, he was at our conference, had some of the coolest swag that he gave out with his company, Mr. Cannabis Law. And now he's focusing from still focusing on cannabis, but starting to move into the psychedelic aspect. Somebody who really has their finger on the pulse of the medical side of this. Please welcome Mr. Cannabis Law himself, Dustin Robinson. How are you? Doing great. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. Of course, man. Well, I really appreciate you joining us today. Looks like you're sheltering in place at home. Um, you know, for you, Dustin is one of the people in Cannabis Lab that we are actually pretty friendly. Um, funny enough, we joined this conference. We were supposed to start recording it at about 10, talked for about 20 minutes, and now we're just getting into the podcast. So hopefully we have some content left to share. But Dustin, you know, you to me, you're, you're very entrepreneurial, right? Just the name of your business alone, Mr. Cannabis Law, uh, great name, the, the swag that you give out, it just really kind of, it's an eye-catchy title, but then you come to the table and you back it up. It's not just like one of those attorney commercials you see, you know, what was, and, and, and we're going to get into your story after this, but what was your idea for Mr. Cannabis Law? Because some people might think, okay, that's just a catchy name and ad in a phone book, not someone who's going to be respected. Yeah, absolutely. So, when I was looking at my the, the company prior to, to getting involved in with, with Mr. Cannabis Law, I was helping people already in the cannabis industry um, really for free. I got involved in it and I was helping different people. I was kind of at a point in my life, we'll, we'll, we'll get into that, where um, I was in a transitional period and I was helping people out in the cannabis industry, um, had getting a lot of, having a lot of success with different um, clients, helping friends and family out really in the, in the industry. And when I decided to come out with my, my law firm, I saw that everyone was really hiding from, from who they were. And even my clients, I advised them not to put cannabis in their name. Because when you put cannabis in your name, you get social media issues, you yeah. have banking issues, you basically put a target on yourself. So when I decided to, to call myself Mr. Cannabis Law, one of the intentions was really to just say, here I am world, you know, now I'm not trying to hide what I'm doing. Yeah. I am a law firm that's exclusively focused on the cannabis industry. Um, and, and really, I also wanted to deal with the issues that some of my clients were dealing with when they do have the word hemp in their name or CBD or green or leaf, or one of these names that attracts attentions from the banks and from social media. And sure enough, I had trouble getting um, my professional liability insurance, Facebook took down my page within a day. Wow. Instagram wouldn't allow me to boost posts. My banking, I had to figure out ways around that. So, you know, it really educated me more on the challenges my clients had. And it really it gave me um, more value to actually service my clients and help them through those issues. But also, I was very concerned um, originally that the name was like too catchy and didn't um, match the level of sophistication of service that I was able to provide. I previously worked at Big Law. I worked at Holland and Knight for mm -hmm. several years. Um, I'm a lawyer at heart. I love the law. I mean, I am, 
I am big on law. I was one of the, the law school people that actually liked law school. I was a law school dweeb. I loved accounting school too. Um, I, you know, got my CPA, got my law degree. Um, so I was worried that the Mr. Cannabis law was like a little bit too catchy. And, and I think that has been to, to some extent um, been a challenge. I think sometimes see people see the catchy name, but then once they have the conversation with me and they understand my level of, of expertise and, and my passion for the industry and, and for this, this area of law, um, they understand that it's not just a catchy name. We provide what I think is probably one of the most unique services to the cannabis industry um, that's out there. Absolutely. I mean, listen, I follow your social media and the content that you put out for free is, is absolutely amazing. Um, and you can see your passion and your drive for this industry, but even things like, you know, and I, I know we'll get to this later, but the stimulus package, you, you sat there and read it and decided to say, this doesn't benefit your business whatsoever, really, because, you know, cannabis companies really can't access this, but you're just like, Hey, everybody, I want you to understand it. Boom. You came out with graphics and everything else. And that was absolutely amazing. And we'll, we'll, we'll circle back to that. So, you said you were an accounting nerd. You were a law nerd you, in school. Um, I can tell that because you went to the University of Florida. You know, I went to Florida State, so I've got to take a dig at you, right? Um, <laughs> but you also, also looking at your LinkedIn, it looks like you went during the, the good years for football. So it must have oh, been really yeah. enjoyable. Um, what led you on that path? Because when I look at your bio, you know, you have a law degree, you, you, you're a CPA, and then you also have a real estate license. I mean, you, you have a lot of professional titles there. What led you on that path as you got into college to say, hey, accounting, legal, these things are going to go hand in hand. You know, did you see it that way? Was the goal always to be a lawyer? Or did, you know, tell me the, the thought process. No, no. I mean, I'm very fortunate to have a father and a mother that ingrained into me the concept that knowledge is power. Um, I've always believed that. Um, and it's not just about making money, it's about helping others. And, and right now, and, and we'll get into the stimulus stuff. I mean, man, understanding the stimulus bill is, is power. It's unbelievable yeah. the, the way I'm able to help people. And it's, it's so fulfilling. Well, so we, we can touch on that now, actually, because I think a lot of people are going to want to understand that. So we can get back to your story of being a UF nerd. We get it. <laughs> but so you decided the other day to sit down and read an 800 page bill because you wanted to put good out into the world. So, you know, tell us about that, you know, being that, that law nerd that made you do that. Yeah. So, so it's interesting because obviously when this, the coronavirus first hit, um, my first instincts were to reach out to all my clients, see how they were impacted, see how I could help. So some of my clients, as we know, you know, in the cannabis industry, it's actually for the most part, the plant touching companies are doing pretty well. But mm -hmm. what people don't realize, I represent, I work with a lot of different ancillary businesses. And a lot of those ancillary businesses also have other businesses outside of the cannabis space. So, you know, I, I started getting phone calls from friends, family, um, all them trying to help them out just on how to kind of pivot in their business um, if they were having issues. And then the stimulus bill came out and I really didn't expect to, to dive too deep into it, but my phone started blowing up. My friends, family, clients, they knew I had an accounting background. They knew I had a legal background. And quite honestly, you kind of need both of those backgrounds yeah. to read the stimulus bill. If you're just an attorney and you don't understand kind of the accounting and the tax aspects of it, or you're just a an accountant and you don't understand the legal aspects, it's challenging to read through that 800 pages. So I had everyone coming to me asking for help and they were telling me wild stuff that this person's eligible. And I, I heard that I could get this money and I'm like, wait a second, I don't know if any of this is true. I'm reading articles that just don't make sense. So 
I went right to the text. Um, I spent a couple days reading through the 800 pages several times. Um, and it's actually an unbelievable bill. I mean, almost everyone is eligible for this. Not everyone, but, but in, in some way, shape or form, I could find a way that you are eligible for this. Bill. And look, I'm not saying that in a way that we're trying to find loopholes. Yeah. Everyone is impacted by this coronavirus. I don't even care if you're a cannabis company whose revenue is increasing. And, and I've had a lot of different conversations about this with different lawyers about, you know, if our, our revenue is increasing, are we, are we eligible for these loans? Yes. Anyone who thinks that these marijuana companies are not negatively economically impacted is just very, very wrong. They're having issues with employee turnover, their employees are getting sick, they have tremendous amount of costs. And, and by the way, this is, we're just a couple weeks into this thing. Yes, their yeah. revenues popped at, at first, but look, when people don't have the disposable cash to go out and buy cannabis, when their stimulus money can't be used to go buy their medicine, well, guess what? They're gonna, they, they may stop you know, purchasing that much money. So I'm not saying that there's gonna be any sort of sharp decline to these plant touching businesses, but all I'm saying is that I certainly think that they're negatively economically impacted. And I certainly think that they should be eligible for this money. Um, so really, I jumped into it. I, I learned it. And, and, and before I knew it, and, and I'll be honest, in the beginning, I was like, wow, I could charge money and make good, yeah. good money on this. And very quickly, the call started rolling in. I was like, you know what? This is a time where people just need me. They, they need my help. They need my expertise. I, I'm giving it for free. I'm working. I'm working harder than I've ever worked in my life and making less money than I've ever made in my life. And, but, but I am more fulfilled than I've ever been. I sat with someone just yesterday where we were able to apply for, we basically have him set up where he's going to get, he thought his business was done. He thought yeah. his business was totally done and we're going to get him probably around 250 to $300,000. He was wow. shocked. And I didn't charge a dollar for it. And, you know, him leaving my place and, and he wanted to hug me, but he didn't because of the coronavirus. So, so we gave a little pound and he went on his way and um, it was just super fulfilling. So I, I think, you know, if you have the ability to help people, whether you're a lawyer, accountant, or even if you're a freaking musician that could play music for people and, and bring some happiness into their life. I think that's what you got to do right now. We're, we're all in this together and uh, you know, I'm happy that I could help. No, a hundred percent, man. And you said it best, you know, we could charge for this. We could step up and, and really make some money. Long story short, you and I talked about this before. We don't know how long this is going to go for. So even companies that are doing okay right now, you know, it doesn't hurt to have a cash reserve to, this could go till July, August. We, we don't know, you know, over at real cloud pros, we're doing the same thing for our clients. We're dropping our, our, our services fees to cost just to make sure people can, uh, video conference so they can work remotely. So this way we can enable clients from an IT standpoint to continue working through these times. Um, from a legal standpoint, I can only imagine, like you said, your phone ringing off the hook. Um, and just so everybody knows, if you go to his Facebook page, I think also on LinkedIn, you've got a, a like eight step guide or, or longer on, on who's eligible and, and um, how to get the money that, that I believe your marketing team helped you put together. I know you did the content, but they made it very pretty. Yeah, yeah. I, I just, just when this all hit, I decided actually to bring on a brand new marketing team to help with my social media because I knew that the information needed to flow quickly. And I'll be honest, you know, I could put together content, but I can't put it in nice slides and make it look pretty and get it out to the public very quickly. So I actually went out and spent the money 
on a top marketing agency, OO and Co. Um, good friend is the one who actually owns it. And she's been, she has her team right now, literally working 24 seven for me, putting together the content that I'm trying to put out to the public. Because I know, you know, there's a lot of law firms that are, you know, trying to set up webinars next week or the week after, or they're drafting yeah. articles. My whole philosophy with this right now is people need the information now. So if I wait to put on a webinar next week or the following week, it's not that it's too late. It, I don't think, you know, the money will be there, but people need hope right now. They need to know what they need to be doing right now. So as yeah. soon as that money becomes available, I want people to understand the steps that they need to take. So that's why I think it's so important that I work with the marketing agency to really help me get the content out as quickly as possible. Sure, man. So I'm going to take that opportunity to transition, transition back into your history, right? Yes. So, you know, I look, I look at your LinkedIn and, and ironically, uh, one of your first jobs listed is an assistant director of marketing before you found your true career calling. Yeah. Um, you know, so you, you get, you know, you're in UF, you accounting degree, law degree, um, you get into marketing and then you find yourself at Deloitte, you know, was, was marketing kind of more of an internship, but tell me about that experience. Did it give you kind of an insight into being an entrepreneur and running your own business and figuring out, okay, it's not enough that I'm the best at what I do. I also have to be able to get myself out there and, and let people know that I'm here. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I, I feel like I've always been an entrepreneur at heart, which is somewhat not contradictory, but it, you know, a CPA and a lawyer is usually, you know, you stick to the rules. There's rules, you follow it. It's black and white. It trains your mind to think a certain way. Um, and quite honestly, those types of ways of thinking don't lend themselves very well to being an entrepreneur where you really got to think outside the box. You got to be willing to take risks, calculated risks. Um, so yeah, back in college, I actually started my own tutoring agency as well, um, where I was tutoring people. And, and that's how I paid my way through college didn't have to, or through law school. I didn't have to take out any student loans for law school. I paid my way all through with, with that tutoring money and had money left over after that. Um, but yeah, I mean, look, everything starts with marketing. At the end of the day, I could be the best attorney ever. And you guys, you could have the best IT solutions company in the world. But if people don't know it, it's, it's not worth anything. So, you know, you got to put your name out there. You got to, you got to learn to market. And, and basically, you know, I, I got through, through law school, kind of walk you through really quick my, sure. my history. You know, I, I got my CPA, worked at Deloitte for a bit. Um, the plan was not to go to law school. My brother's an attorney. He kind of, you know, is the one who said to me, look, you know, there's a lot of opportunities yeah. in law. He was doing very well. And he's, he's a very successful attorney as well. And uh, he said, you know, you should at least consider it. So I took the LSAT. I did well. Um, got into UF. Um, I, I, I loved law school. I, I dove into it. It was so different than accounting at first. It was accounting was all numbers. And then all of a sudden law school, I had to learn how to write again, which I hadn't been doing for a long time. Um, but it reminded me of my passion for writing. And so got through law school, did very well in law school, um, top of my class, law review, all that fun stuff. Um, got a job at Holland and Knight. Uh, it was great working with Holland and Knight. A lot of people have their horror stories about big firms. Great yeah. firm, treated me great, worked under some of the, the best partners. Some of them were ex-judges, unbelievable experience working there. Nothing bad to say about the guys at Holland and Knight. I got an opportunity to go in-house um, with a client. Um, they were a multi-state manufacturing company. 
I went in-house. Um, it was really more of like a CFO role, um, but I was handling obviously all yeah. the legal work as well. Um, we grew the business tremendously um, and I was with them for a little over five years. I was incentivized through equity. I sold out my, my interest in that company um, a little about two years ago, mm-hmm. um, at which time is, is when I started getting into the cannabis industry. So what, you know, so everyone I talk to, there's always a story that pulled them into the cannabis industry, right? There's not too many people that I've spoken to that just said, yeah, I, I wanted to get in the cannabis. So I did it right. Yeah. It's typically uh, an experience with a family member seeing what the effect the plan had. I just talked to Mike Smolin yesterday and it was through his daughter and, and his brother who did that. Um, you know, or it's somebody who was in accounting in a a legal side and they got one hemp company or one cannabis company came to them and then they saw the opportunity and then from one became 10 became 20. And next thing you know, they're running an entire practice focused on cannabis. What was that moment or that instance that drug you into cannabis? Yeah. Um, well, really, so when I sold my interest in my pre- in the previous business, I was actually planning to take a year off. I had promised my fiance at the time that I would take a year off because I had, up until that point, I'd been working like a dog and yeah. I'm, I'm somewhat of a workaholic and, and I'm working on that. Um, but <laughs> um, but so, so I, I was going to take a year off, but about a few months into that year off, um, I actually got asked by some friends that were out in Denver um, to help them with the transaction relating to cannabis. I knew nothing about cannabis, but I learned all about the laws in Denver. Um, I learned all about the tax aspects of, of the transaction they were doing because it actually involved a couple different states. Um, and we were able to draft um, this transaction in such a way that it really took advantage of, of the, the, the tax law, you know, the, the, the state law, the cannabis side of it. And I realized with my background, it is kind of unique um, understanding all the tax aspects and the legal aspects. And then, like you mentioned, I also have my real estate license. So that was the first deal I got put on. And then I got referred um, by them to another person that had more of a real estate, a cannabis real estate transaction that they were putting together. It was a REIT. Um, so, you know, I helped put together that transaction and I literally utilized every bit of yeah. background that I have. Um, they and asked the right I, person. <laughs> yeah. I, I, and I realized, you know, this, this is an industry that, that really, and, and what I also noticed was when I talked to the partners at my old firm at Holland and Knight, which I'm still very close with a lot of those partners, they weren't servicing the cannabis industry because of the gray area. And I was like, wow, there's a huge void in high quality, big firm service. Um, and of course, there are other big firms like Ackerman. They, they're doing a great job. Greenspoon mm-hmm. Martyr. I give tons of props for some of these big firms getting out there and, and taking that risk because look, they're, the big firms are taking more risk than a small guy like me. You know, They have hundreds of millions of dollars of revenue at risk that by them getting into the cannabis industry, you know, it, it's a little yeah. bit it's a little bit risky. So I give them tremendous props, but early on I saw that the big firms really weren't getting very involved. And I said, look, there's an opportunity for me to provide big law type of, you know, quality, but provide also that boutique firm attention that's really needed for the cannabis industry. Well, that's awesome, man. And I, you know, it's, it's a friend that drug you into it. So one of the cool things that I like about you is Mr. Cannabis Law and yourself, you're both located down here in Florida, but you operate across the country. How 
hard is it, especially as a, a small firm, you know, you mentioned Ackerman, you, you mentioned Greenspoon, they have offices across the country. They've got, you know, benches of lawyers that they can bring in to specialize that they can say, okay, this group right here, you guys are focused on cannabis and we're still going to worry about our, our main business that, that keeps the lights on for you. This is all you focus on and, and we'll get into your new focus in a little bit, but how hard is it for someone like you to operate nationally living in Florida, especially when we have, realistically have 14 operating companies here and 22 licenses. Yeah, well, I'll tell you, my, my goal is I would love to, to operate more just in Florida, but just like we were talking about before yeah. the interview, it's challenging in Florida. You know, you have 22 licensees, really only 13 are, are operational. Most of those 13 had their their attorneys and their IT solutions. And I think only partners. three of them are headquartered here, right? Yeah, and so exactly. So, you know, it's challenging here in Florida. And, and I'm, I've been very fortunate that, you know, I am working with a few of the the cannabis companies down here, but I also saw that I really needed to um, expand my reach outside of the outside state. Much like you, you know, we talked mm -hmm. about that, you, you did as well. Um, for me as an attorney, obviously there's also the challenge that, you know, unauthorized practice of law in another state. So I've actually developed a network of attorneys in, in other states. That cool. I'm also able to, to co-counsel and work through um, when I bring in those out-of-state clients. So, you know, it's quite honestly, I don't see the big firms as competition. I think the service that I provide is, is very unique. First off, there's there's plenty of business to go around. So, you know, I try to help them out as much as I can. I try to help all the people around me out and I know that it'll come back to me. But realistically, I'm not necessarily competing with those big firms. I provide a, a totally different, I'm, I'm more of like a strategic partner with people. I'm holding people's hand. I'm building pro formas, business models. I'm helping them find investment. Um, and not to say these other firms don't do that as well, but they have a lot of red tape around them and they have a lot of different clients and, um, you know, the billable hour and, and, you know, how they structure their yeah. fees. You know, there's, there's certain things that they just can't be as flexible as I am. So like you said, I'm, I'm more entrepreneurial and I try to bring that entrepreneurial spirit to all my engagements with my clients. Yeah. You're almost like the, the Batman of lawyers where, you know, you don't have to follow every law. I mean, you don't have to, you, you're kind of like the vigilante. You're still going for the same goal, but they have the red tape that you don't have to worry about. Yeah, exactly. So. And look, at the end of the day, I, I eventually, as my, as my firm grows, I, I'll start putting in, uh, uh, you know, some, some more of that red tape as well. You know, the key to any business is, yeah. you know, as you grow, put just the right amount of red tape don't go overboard such that there's too much bureaucracy, which is what essentially I was doing at my last company in the, in, in the manufacturing. We grew from like 40 employees to 120 employees. So it was in a very short period of time. So it was very challenging making sure you're putting up those, those, those SOPs and those processes and that red tape, but also, you know, making it malleable so that you could, you still have the flexibility of a small company. No, I'm excited to see that because I have a feeling that you're going to create an environment that's going to foster a lot of entrepreneurship within your walls. And, you know, it, you always want to build a, a great big firm and, and hope people will stay with you. But if you spin out some other great lawyers out of your firm, that's sense of pride as well. Um, so you've been practicing in cannabis for a while now, which by any means is not an easy place to practice. It's, it's a brand new industry. You know, uh, we're, we're all still finding our feet. And you decided, okay, cannabis isn't challenging enough. I'm also going to take on another uh, illegal narcotic and well, in some ways, 
and you created Mr. Psychedelic Law to start to support the legalization of psychedelics for, I believe, mental health therapy, correct? Yeah, so, so really, you know, six months ago, I had several cannabis clients talking to me about getting into um, the psychedelic industry. And quite honestly, as I, I wasn't a user of it and I wasn't very familiar, I thought they were crazy. And I'm yeah. like, you know, thanks, but no thanks. It's already a stretch that I'm doing cannabis law. My friends all think it's, it's funny that, 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 that I'm doing cannabis law, but you know, I, I kind of said, thanks, but no thanks, but more, more and more clients started asking about it. So um, then I started asking my, the, the doctors I represent in the industry, I represent several doctors, uh, cannabis doctors mm-hmm. um, in the cannabis industry, and all of them, hands down, believed in, in psychedelics, they believed in psilocybin, um, and unbeknownst to me, some of them were already um, doing ketamine therapy, which ketamine yeah. is a type of psychedelic that's actually um, legal, and so I dove into it. I started talking to all the leaders across the country who are decriminalizing. We got Denver, Oakland, Santa Cruz, Illinois. Um, I started reaching out to all of them and, and built some really strong relationships with the people leading those movements. And, and they educated me um, on, on the, the, and we've had some really great conversations about what that legal framework would look like. It's a very different drug than than cannabis you know a lot of people think is is the legal framework going to look like the cannabis no no it's going to ha- have to look completely different and there's a few different schools of thought on on what that legal framework would look like um and i currently am not totally committed to any one legal framework um but yeah so so basically i decided to start a not-for-profit it is is it's not for profit um yeah it's not not something it, the whole focus is on decriminalization and raising awareness um it's called mr psychedelic law we have a medical advisory board of the top doctors in the state we also have a spiritual advisory board and my goal is to use those advisory advisory boards to help me and the other attorneys i'm working with such as paula sachenko um, who's supposed to be with me today, yeah. but she's, she's, she, you go interview her in a, in a future, on a future Paul's date. Paul's got too but, much work for us. She's, yeah, she's, she's got herself she's, busy. She's very busy. She's doing a great job. But you know, what, what we're doing is we set up this advice, these advisory boards so that they could drive the legal reform. I don't want lawyers or business people driving this legal reform. I want the doctors and the spiritual leaders and the people that truly understand the power of this substance to really drive the legal reform. Dustin Robinson isn't, I'm, I may be the scribe, but I'm just, I'm just the messenger. You know, yeah. I want them to really give me the lead. So I've already drafted a resolution for, for Hallandale. Um, I have a commissioner who previous to this coronavirus gave me her commitment on sponsoring that resolution. Um, obviously the coronavirus has, has you yeah. know, created some complications with that. Um, but we're talking to a lot of different cities right now. And, and all, honestly, to my surprise, they're all very, very interested. I, I haven't been like, I haven't had one door shut in my face since I started this knock on wood. I'm sure I will. But all the cities I've talked to have been very open. They want to learn more. We're educating them. We're, un- we're helping them understand. We're, we're, we want to collaborate with them so that we could really create the best um, legal framework within their city. And then eventually, obviously, we want to expand it to from a state perspective, because at the end of the day, really, criminalization is really a state thing. And all the cities could really do is, is make a decision not to allocate resources 
um, to, to, you know, arresting or bringing any, you know, indictments against anyone who, you know, is caught with possession or use of it. Um, but really, it's at a state level that we can make some, we're just not ready yet for a state thing. So my goal is in 2020 is to get some cities on board, get some momentum, raise awareness, then we could talk, start talking about doing some stuff at a state level. No, that that's really interesting. And psychedelics to me are, are very, very interesting. Like you said, it's something I know absolutely nothing about. I actually learned about it. Um, I watch a lot of stand-up comedy. I listen to a lot of comedy podcasts, and, and apparently this is not one of them. But uh, Gary Goleman, who's a very famous stand-up comedian, suffered with depression for so long, and he even tried the ketamine therapy and was talking about it on I think it was like Burt Kreischer's podcast or something like that. And it's really interesting. My wife was with me who was, who is an addiction counselor and was saying, she's like, I don't know. And she's, she doesn't believe in it yet, but we've both looked into it a little bit more. And the more and more we look into it, it's starting to open our eyes with, you know, the ketamine paired with the, the psychotherapy and what it's doing for people. So, and, and I got to give a plug since you're talking about it. So you're right. The psychedelics, the, the, the three main um, conditions that it show that it's showing great results is addiction, um, depression, and PTSD. And if you think about all of those conditions, something is just off in your brain. Yeah. You know, there's something that's not letting you get past. And you being an IT guy could, could, could uh, appreciate this analogy. When you take some of these, you know, psychedelic drugs, if you do them with the right in the right set and setting, really what you're doing is kind of like a reset with, with technology. You know, yeah. when your computer's not working, what's the first thing you do? You hit, turn, turn it off and turn, turn it on, yep. you know? And, and really that's kind of what you're doing with some of these psychedelics. At least that's how it's been explained to me by some of the, the medical and spiritual advisors that I work with is you're really, it's almost like a reset and you're giving your brain another opportunity. You're also for PTSD, you're giving your, your, yourself an opportunity to, engage with the event that's causing PTSD and be totally disassociated with the event. And I've had my doctors send me, I get videos all day from people who are getting these treatments. And, you know, it's amazing to see someone with PTSD talk about the, 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 the instance that is causing their PTSD, such as, you know, I had one guy who got in a car accident with his, with his sister and the sister mm. passed away in the car right next to him. And it's amazing watching him talk about that event with no emotion and able to disassociate from that moment and engage with that moment and fix the issue around it and fix his emotions and have that breakthrough with the therapist and give the therapist a hug after and realize like that event wasn't his fault. There's no reason to let that event, you know, control him forever. And it's just a really powerful moment. So I'm actually working with another not-for-profit um, the ketaminefund.com. Great group of guys, um, Warren Gumble and Zappy are the two guys who run it. They just shot a film with Lamar Odom um, okay. that should be getting released in like the next couple months. As most people know, Lamar Odom had a lot of trouble with addiction. Um, they took him out and I'm, I'm not going to spoil the film or anything yeah. like that, but they saw tremendous results. I think, um, I, I, I think that they treated him with um, Ibogaine. I think okay. it was Ibogaine, which is another type of psychedelic. So there's ayahuasca, there's Ibogaine, there's ketamine. Um, but Zappi and Warren, through the Ketamine Fund, they help people find doctors to provide ketamine treatment for people with addiction and depression. 
and it is unbelievable the work that they're doing. And I highly recommend if anyone knows anyone who's addicted or has trouble with depression, I strongly recommend, you know, you're welcome to reach out to me. I will put you in touch with these guys. They're doing incredible work. Dustin, I think you're doing incredible work. You know, you're doing some great stuff with Mr. Cannabis Law. You're really putting a ton of good out into the community with everything that you do. Your social media is incredible. Um, you know, I know you have a ton of work to do, so I won't hold you too much longer. But let's uh, let's let people know how they can get in touch with you. Let's let's plug your social and, and your websites. And um, you know, we're definitely going to have you back on to talk more about this. Get you back on with Paula, and, and I'm sure we're going to see a lot more of you through these webcasts. Over absolutely. These so so I'm different than most. I don't have an answering service, so you call me direct. You got my cell. You could text me. It's nine five four two five eight six zero eight four. Uh, you could also email me at drobinson at mrcannabislaw.com. Also f- follow me on all social media um, at mrcannabislaw. Um, that's pretty much it. I, I post a lot on LinkedIn. I got, I have a, you know, an IG, you know, business page, Mr. Cannabis Law. I also have that for LinkedIn, Facebook, all that stuff. So just follow me. And also Mr. Psychedelic Law, hashtag Mr. Psychedelic Law. I also have IG page for that as well. If you're interested in following any of the the psychedelic stuff that's going on. I I highly recommend, especially if you're in business, you know, if, if you run a business and if you're in the cannabis space, or if you just run a business in general, follow Mr. Cannabis Law for sure. Because like I said, even with the stimulus package and any big event that's happening, you're, you're kind of explaining it for us. And, and that's awesome, man. Um, stay safe. Keep working hard. And uh, we'll catch up with you again soon. Thank you so much for having me. Stay safe and be well. No problem.